Hey everybody, welcome to Living My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest today is collective soul bassist Will Turpin. Now, Will, the founding member alongside the Roland Brothers, they released their debut album on Atlantic Records 25 years ago. It's crazy. The album is fantastic. Hints and allegations and things left unsaid. It featured the smash hit Shine. We talk about that song as well. We talk about my favorite collective soul song, Heavy, which video game fans remember it was in NHL 2001. And Will dropped a little bit of an Easter egg, which is in that game. We talk about their latest album, Blood, which comes out this Friday. It's fantastic. We also talk about Will's solo work. He released his solo album last year called Serengeti Drivers. It's on all the streaming sites. It's fantastic. We talk about the business of music in general. They're touring with Jim Blossoms this summer. I love Jim Blossoms. We had a Robin Wilson on last year. Great guy. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with Will. So, Will, um, before we get into Bucket Soul and kind of like your origin story, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, Serengeti Driver's Soul album, which I really, really love. It came out on your your own label. Um, how What was the process like recording that album? Yeah, I found the DP in 2012, I guess, and uh, started making, writing more songs. Things are flowing well. So, um, you know, it's just one of those processes where I'm like, I'm busy and my focus is on collective soul, but I, I start writing songs and I'm, I'm thinking, well, I think these are good enough to record and I think people will want to hear them. So with that in mind, you know, I just took, um, you know, while collective soul was touring and stuff, I took, uh, I think it took about two years to record the whole record. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a record, uh, and a lot of a lot of subjects that I deal with as far as things that happened in my life or, or with somebody I know. And um, you know, it's coming up on a year anniversary now, so uh, you know what I'm gonna do now. But uh yeah, man, I appreciate the uh, kind of words. Yeah, definitely it's yeah, it's a really fantastic record. Now, like when you are like recording something you said it's you know, stuff that was, you know, happening in your life and your know, personal stuff. Now, is it kind of difficult also to kind of separate that stuff from a collective soul album? I don't know if it's, I don't think it's difficult at all. I pretty much know right off the bat which songs, uh, or, you know, which songs are meant for my solo records. Uh, there's a song on Sharing Andy Drivers called uh, All On You.
uh, we messed around. Ed liked that riff stuff. We messed around with it for a while for possibly to get collective soul songs. But that was the only one on Serengeti Drivers that I even showed any of the other guys. I just felt like those were more of my style, my solo record style. Now, he is such a prolific like songwriter. Um, was this like the first time he actually like wrote songs? Or were you writing songs even before the, you know this album that he that he came out a few years ago as well? Yeah, I mean, my songwriting credits for Collective Soul is pretty limited. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's some small ones before The uh, before the Lighthouse. Uh, Ed's a prolific writer, man. I mean, the guy wakes up and he can write the song pretty much. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, we, we with Ed and Collective Soul, we kind of, most of the songs, Ed has a general idea of first course and, and where the song is going. And we have to kind of, as as uh, as the rock band, we kind of have to turn that into a uh, collective soul tune. Uh, so yeah, it's it's totally different as far as how I come up with the tunes and what I do. And and with collective soul, I focus on I get to focus mainly on more the mechanism section and um, you know trying to make the rhythm section sound solid but yet tricky and, and edgy and do and stuff. Right. So it's I, I want to say it's a little bit easier for you, but it's you know you're not multitasking as much as you're so loud. Yeah, yeah, it's not a thing of easier anymore. Yeah, exactly. I, just, I can focus more on just the rhythm section. Uh, right. And some, and some background and some other melodies and stuff. But I, I really hyper focus on the rhythm section when everybody else has got their parts they hyper focus on. Right. Yeah. Do you have any plans for another release? No, no plans, but there will be another release. The song, I've already written some songs. So there will be another release. Um, maybe, awesome. maybe early next year. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Look forward to that, definitely. So, uh, yeah, going back kind of like your origin story, um, how did you get involved in music? In uh, my earliest memory, I was surrounded by instruments and, uh, and playing music. I started piano lessons around eight years old. Uh, my father owned the recording studio in a small town, so I was grew up around all kinds of different genres of music and, and all instruments in my house or, you know, the studio was two blocks away. I think it's uh, I think it's important to know that people need to realize that the studio was a block away from my house. The church, the Roland Brothers' father was music minister up. That was another two blocks. I mean, the Roland Brothers grew up two blocks away from me. So, not only from my earliest memory down there, but, you know, being able to experiment with music instruments, but my artist never had to Ed and Dean were, and uh, their father was you know, the, the, the choir director for the youth choir. And so uh, it all goes way back as far as where we started and, and, and when we got to know each other. Right. So it would have been really difficult not not to run into E and Dean, right? <laughs> well, I mean, our grandfathers knew each other, let's just put it that way, in, in a small town. Yeah. 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 So when was, like, the first time you started playing with, with the brothers? Dad's six years my senior, so you know, after high school, he went one year to Berkeley uh, College of Music, and then he came back home to Atlanta to work on his craft, and he uh, he quickly became basically one of the head engineers at my father's studio, so I watched him play his craft, and I uh, was a fan of all his solo stuff, and he was, uh, was his solo records, and uh, and pretty much right after when we started getting out of high school around 1989, 1990. Ed started picking up me and my friends to uh, to, to join his band. And so that's kind of the, the short version. 
so to speak. Right. So when you were younger and you kind of in your father's studio, were there any like high profile bands that came and recorded there? It was a small studio. I mean, people would pop in, and, and I don't remember anybody doing complete records, but yeah, I mean, some a lot of the started not there. Uh, driving a car and was in there for a couple of days. Uh, I remember a band called Wet Willie. Uh, Atlanta Rhythm Section, uh, 38 Special was in there for a couple of days. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of the southern rock guys, and especially the if you were around Atlanta and you were a, uh, I, you know, I hate to say it, but like a you know maybe not like an A level artist, but everybody you know everybody right underneath that was at the studio all the time. Right, and you know, because Georgia is like known. I mean, they have obviously you guys and REM, B fifty two, Allman Brothers. So, there's yeah, something more than that. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's definitely. I mean, uh, I mean, you can't. Uh, I don't. I don't like leaving out Otis Redding. Oh, James Brown. Yeah, yeah James Brown. Um, Ray Charles. Uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a nice, you know, well diverse, you know, type of music that you know came out of Georgia totally. Right. Yeah. So, did you like? When you're younger, do you foresee yourself becoming, you know, a rock star? Actually, I, uh, I wanted to be in bands, but I was really a pessimist about being successful in a rock band, being able to uh, actually, you know, do this for for a living. Uh, I, was, I stayed in college while all my other friends were. Fully in with Ed, and then I would sing. Uh, I would sing backups and play percussion in the sixth member for a long time because I wouldn't commit. And then our uh, one day, it's kind of like a lot more moment. In '93, I called Ed up to play the bass, uh, and he answered the phone. I remember dialing up phone numbers, and, and the guy who was playing bass at the soul the moment just didn't fit in our chemistry team. We we had a the, the original guys were all amazing friends and, and uh, all all fought the same way and. Uh, it was really easy for us to focus on a, on a finished song or finished product and really get it done. We all felt, felt the same way and, uh, and recorded the same way. Okay. Was bass your best instrument of all the ones you played? No, when I told him that, I didn't know the bass or I never played a bass. It was more about <laughs> just the chemistry of the individuals. Uh, and me understanding music, I wasn't intimidated by any instrument. Uh, and my, you know, my best friend growing up was the drummer. I knew the songs. I knew I think we'd be way stronger with being bass. I had never played bass. How long did it take you to pick it up? Yeah, I was playing bass quickly. I mean, I played a show probably three weeks later. Um, and, and it's, music's one of those things where, you know, I could play a show, maybe I could play the downbeat, I could play the songs. I knew the songs already. Uh, didn't have to learn songs. But, of course, I mean, it's, the music's also an ever-evolving thing. So, I mean, it's not like I felt like I was a competent bass player uh, a month in or a year in or three years in. I'm always working on it. 25 years later, I'm still trying to get better. So, uh, right. but, you know, music music is universal. So I didn't, it didn't take me any time to learn the songs. I knew the songs in my head. I knew what key finishes are in. I knew what notes I was supposed to get. I didn't have to learn anything. I just had to, had to figure out, you know, the technical side of a new instrument. That's all. Right, right. And then the debut album, uh, Since Allegations, I think Bluffin said, nice nod to, uh, you know, uh, Paul Simon there. Um, that was on the an independent label, and then eventually got picked up by Atlantic, uh, and then Shine blew up. And then when that right. went over to Atlantic, now I guess the 20th anniversary of, of that, did they want to kind of change the album at all? For just a little bit. Actually, Shine was becoming a hit. 
before we got signed to Atlantic. Uh, so a commercial station had added the song off of the independent label that you're talking about. And so we had we had a bona fide hit on the independent label that was going to happen no matter what. The, the question was how big was it going to be. And, of course, once, once we got the success on the commercial station, uh, that's when a number of uh, that's when a number of uh, record labels were interested. And Atlantic seemed to be the most interested in one of the first ones. Uh, and then our our our, uh, our thought process was ACDC on Atlantic and Led Zeppelin on Atlantic. So that was good to us. <laughs> <laughs> so so that that wasn't like the recruiting process of a bunch of you know labels come and, and you see which artists are on the label and that's how you decided. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how we decided the old artists on the label, but. Um, but yeah, man, Atlantic didn't mess with us artistically because we already had the first album recorded. They were right. sad; it goes platinum. Same thing happened with the second record. I mean, Jason Flom would show up at the studio, and he was a good friend. But creatively, they had no—they they didn't care about sticking their fingers in into what we were doing creatively because we had already been successful once. And then we did it again with the second record, where we creatively had no input from them. And then, and then that was pretty much the precedent. Once we did it on two records, they, they let us record whatever we wanted to. And they had some opinions on songs. But, you know, I watched them work with Jewel. I watched them work with some of their other bands. And they would they would get in there and really be interested in which song and what song we're going to record and how we're going to record it. And with us, they didn't have to. And I'd, I'd say the same thing with Stone Temple Pilots. They didn't have to with Stone Temple Pilots either. They just got completed records from those guys and, and released them just like they did with us. Right. Do you think it's it's kind of like the, the genre of music? Because I mean, you know, Jewel is great, but she's more like you know, I wouldn't say poppy alternative. Rather, you guys are kind of like hard rock. So, was it difficult for them? Yeah, I, I think yeah, probably, yeah, a lot more pop bands. I think that has a lot more. Yeah. So then, um, you know, Shine obviously but you couldn't not hear it in, in 1994. Um, were you surprised it was that song that really blew up and kind of defined your career?
You know, I should mention it. You know, we were just, we were so in the moment and thinking forward. We weren't thinking about a song we had recorded and which one was going to be a hit. I swear, we were always thinking about the next thing. We didn't make, we were 22 years old. We didn't have, we didn't have time to analyze which song you think is going to be a hit. I mean, what's the chances of that happening anyway? We were always thinking about new music and what we can do next. Yeah, and what you did next is what's great as well. The, Second album called Fuck This All. I mean, I also tremendous hit. So it wasn't it wasn't any sophomore slump. And I remember seeing you guys open up for I think it was Van Hel- Van Halen back in '95, which was a great yeah, show. Yeah. yeah, and I look forward to seeing you guys uh, again real soon. Now, my my favorite album, you guys, is Still Doshins. I, I love that album. It's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, Heavy, which is probably my favorite song. You guys also you hear it everywhere. You guys probably made it when you were featured on the video game with that song, right?
Oh, yeah, we, and we were big fans of that NHL yeah. franchise. I mean, it's still a cool franchise. I saw them playing the, the finals on TV the other day. Some guys were playing the NHL on TV for, for a, you know, like a $10,000 yeah. award or purse or whatever. But, yeah, that was cool, man. Yeah, we, we, and we, we got up to hang that banner way up in the, uh, in the arena on the video game. I don't know if you ever noticed it. There's a Collective Soul banner up there. Oh, I gotta check it. I saw that game at home. I gotta check it out. Yeah, I, yeah, I, uh, I have, I played all those games, and I recently just bought another Sega Genesis, like a retro one with NHL '94, which is still the best game ever, just to play it. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really awesome. Now then, um, the new album Blood is coming out June 21st. I kind of listened to it. It's, it's really, really good. Um, now, 2019. What is like the expectation for this album? since really no one buys albums that much anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, uh, yes, it's not in expectations that his album sells, or it's in, you know, how successful can the music be. The songs right. are still successful. You still have sub breakout hits and and, uh, and and bands growing in popularity based on the strength of their songs. You know, I think it's a day's world. Uh, you look at streaming numbers, but you're also, you're also hoping for maybe a commercial. A lot of bands come through TV. Right. Or even a movie. Um, but, you know, big song can still happen just on satellite radio and radio and streaming. Uh, so that, that's what we look at. Our, it's yeah, we see the most amazing transition in, in the record industry ever, yeah. But it's still great songs and, and people's ears are the combination. It's still the basic combination. So if, uh, if, if it becomes a hit, I, I, don't, I, don't see, I don't see that being any different necessarily. Right, right, and like with your your solo album, I mean, I, I would imagine streaming really helps get it out there. Being on your own label, it'd be really difficult to have that yeah. like, stores and whatnot. So it's yeah, good no, on one end, I guess, it's difficult on the other end. Yeah, my streaming numbers are great on that, and uh, you know, I sold some CDs, but yeah, I was amazed at, at all the streaming numbers, and I'm still getting, you know, I'm getting lots of playlists both here and there. So right, that's great. Because when you guys, you know, first came out. I mean, CDs were still just breaking out, but it was still cassettes because that's where, like, the king back then, and now it's like no one's, no one's going to look forward to the revival of cassettes, unlike vinyl. Yeah, that awesome, will happen. You know? Yeah, yeah. Happen. yeah, absolutely. But that is funny. They make cassettes of our first two or three CDs. You know, our first two or three records, they make cassettes of so. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, do you remember, like, where you were the first time you heard, like, one of your songs on the radio? We were on the way down to Orlando because that was a commercial station that, it, that we had all of a sudden got rotation on uh, by winning. By winning basically a call-in, a Mr. Call-in contest where it's kind of like a, it's like a shootout. Next thing you know, this independent label out of Atlanta had a band that won the shootout on this big rock station in Orlando. So we were on the way to Orlando, the first show, because we had success, still on the independent label. And, uh, we got within range of that station and eventually they heard the song on the radio. You know, it was big deal with big boys and I remember it was high five and it's just getting really excited just to hear it on the radio. Right. Now what about like like the most like interesting place or like weird place that one of your songs just popped up? I don't know, I guess of recently it's been you know, places like you're just walking through Home Depot and you hear <laughs> You get your click of soul and especially in places like that, you the deeper cut. So it's usually something that wasn't even a hit or wasn't even a single, you know. Yeah, 
closer to playing. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's cool. Good one. Good choice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely. Now, you guys are touring with uh, Jim Blossoms, which is another fantastic band, and I, I spoke to Robin last year. Uh, now, what is like the – you guys kind of do flip, you know, each night flip the, the billing, or you guys just – you go in first, or they go in first? How does, how does the tour work? Yeah, we're heads on it every night, but uh, but it's a good deal. It's, good, it's two good bands, so it's a good, it's a good, good night. Yeah, that, that's awesome. But, uh, Will, thanks for a few minutes today. Go check out Blood coming out at the end of the month. It's fantastic. Go check out Will's solo album, Serengeti Drivers. It's also great. Will, thank you for a few minutes today. Hey, cheers, Will. Thank you, man. And a special thanks to Will for joining me today. Go check out Blood. comes out this Friday. Check out Collective Soul. They're touring with Jim Blossoms this summer. Follow them on Twitter at Collective Soul, CollectiveSoul.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at the first in all one nine. Be sure to like the page Loving My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had, including Jim Blossom's Robin Wilson. While you're there, please rate and review the show. And I'm going to select five random reviewers, and they will receive a new Loving My Youth t-shirt, care of Threadless. And if you don't get selected, you can still buy the t-shirts alongside sweatshirts, phone cases, towels, onesies at relievingmyyouth.threadless.com. You don't have iTunes? Not a problem. Show's on SoundCloud. It's also on Podbean. A new episode comes out every Wednesday. And we'll see you next week.